Good morning. Well, today as we begin this new series, I believe it will be an eye-opening time together because we're going to take a look at some very common phrases that people attribute to Scripture, but the reality is this, they are, they're not in the Bible. And the common phrase I want to talk about this morning is this one right here. God helps those who help themselves. If you thought that God helps those who help themselves was in the Bible, you're actually in the majority. Barna Research Group survey in 2000 found that 75% of Americans and 40% of Christians believe that truth is in the Bible. And a more recent survey says that 68% of Christians believe this statement is in the Bible. 68% of Christians. So where did this idea originate? It had to come from somewhere. Well, historians actually trace this idea back to Aesop's fables dating the first century A.D. Now, let me share that fable with you. A wagoneer was once driving a heavy load along a very muddy way. He came to a part of the road where the wheels sank halfway into the mire, and the more the horses pulled, the deeper sank the wheels. So the wagoneer threw down his whip, knelt down, and prayed to Hercules, Oh, Hercules! Help me in my hour of distress. And Hercules appeared to him and said, Man, don't sprawl there. Get up. Put your shoulder to the wheel. The gods help those who help themselves. And that phrase was made famous in America after being published in Poor Richard's Almanac by Benjamin Franklin in 1757 and has been hanging around the church ever since. Because if you say something enough, it gives it legitimacy. Our tendency is to accept things as being true without investigating to find out whether they are true or not. And this can be dangerous. It can distract us. It can confuse us. And it can even cause us to doubt God and the real truth of God's Word. So I want to examine three aspects of this unbiblical phrase, and we're going to begin right here. With the half-truth, God won't help you if you're lazy. Bill O'Reilly hosts a popular show on Fox News Channel called The No Spin Zone, and in January of 2002, O'Reilly was interviewing the pastor of the Fifth Street Presbyterian Church in New York City, which has an active ministry to the homeless. And O'Reilly told the pastor, I think that Jesus would have demanded that those homeless people shape themselves up or else. Because we all know that the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. See, God helps those who help themselves is seldom spoken in kindness. Just like Bill O'Reilly from Fox News, it's usually spoken as a harsh statement challenging someone to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and get to work. But we have to be careful when we approach this half-truth, because the Bible does teach that God won't bless laziness. Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 12, even while we were with you, we gave you this command, those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work, and meddling in other people's business. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their own living. So just imagine that you desperately need a job to feed your family. You should be on your knees 
asking God to give you a job. But you shouldn't just sit by the phone expecting some employer to call you out of the blue and to offer you a job. It's absolutely right to pray for a job, but then you have to get out, knock on doors, fill out applications, and send out resumes. Laziness is a part of our sinful nature. Would you agree? Some people would love for God to put food in their mouth, massage their jaws to chew it, and then tickle their throat to swallow it. That's the kind of help we want from God sometimes. But God blesses people who display energy and initiative. In the book of Proverbs, it says, Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. So even though there is a tiny measure of truth in the phrase, God helps those who help themselves, it's only a half-truth. And followers of Jesus should embrace only the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So next we move on to the lie in the phrase that self-help is the best kind of help. See, God helps those who help themselves is a very dangerous lie because it promotes the value of self-help. Some say the self-help movement began with the book, I'm Okay and You're Okay, by Dr. Thomas Harris in 1967. Today, every secular bookstore you go to and some Christian bookstores you go to will have a large section devoted to self-help or self-improvement. And you'll find hundreds of titles of books devoted to helping you help yourself. And Americans are willing to spend millions and millions of dollars to buy books if they think will give them a secret way to help themselves out of their problems. The trouble with this approach is that it reinforces self-centeredness instead of seeking the one who truly has the power to help you. I actually got online last night and looked up some self-help books, and I want to share with you some of the actual titles that are available for you to purchase on Amazon. Are you ready? How to stay silent so others will think you're smart. That doesn't work for me usually. Um, the Beginner's Guide to Human Sacrifice. People were afraid to laugh at that one. They're like, I bought that for Christmas. <laughs> and here's my favorite, my absolute favorite. I wish I had owned this book when I started dating Tanya. How to Poop on a Date. The Lover's Guide to Toilet Etiquette. I've been married 30 years, and I still haven't figured out how to do that right yet. You know, I, I, I haven't figured it out. But self-help books and seminars designed to give people more self-assurance and self-confidence. That's what they're for. And what these are help, while, while these are helpful traits, self-confidence and self-reliance, they're helpful when it comes to business. They're helpful when it comes to sports. But it comes to your relationship with God, self-reliance leads to self-sufficiency, and that can gradually lead you away from seeking God. So I want you to notice there are some dangers in spiritual self-reliance. One is self-reliance makes you arrogant. How many of you remember the professional heavyweight boxer Muhammad Ali? Y'all remember him? He, he did not lack self-confidence at all. He was one of the cockiest individuals that ever boxed. And he was known by his personal catchphrase, I'm the greatest, 
right? I am the greatest. Once he boarded an airplane for a trip, and the flight attendant told him to buckle his seatbelt, and he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And the flight attendant said, Superman don't need no plane. Buckle up. While most of us have never displayed the kind of arrogance of Muhammad Ali, we are all born with a self-centered personality that's devoted to promoting self and to protect self. We create our own little self-centered universe, don't we? You can see it today in cocky sports stars and arrogant celebrities, or you can see it in a three-year-old when you try to teach them to do something, they look at you and say, I can do it all by myself, right? For some of you, that was last year, but this is human nature. We want to think we can do anything. When we've done something, we're proud of ourselves. When we accomplish something, we want to take all the credit. But in reality, the truth is this. It's God who gives us the ability to accomplish anything. If you ask a successful person the key to their success, they may answer you that they worked harder and smarter than everyone else. In Deuteronomy 8.17, it says, You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And we need to be careful to give credit where credit is due. The disciple Peter knew exactly what it was like to be bold and overconfident. He regularly stuck his foot in his mouth. Yet this once arrogant and cocky fisherman penned these words in 1 Peter 5, 5. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Where do you think Peter learned that? Could it have been when uh, he said, Jesus, I'll never desert you. Not me. Everyone else might desert you, but not me. And then just a few short moments later, he's denying Jesus three times. And then Jesus restores him. So maybe that's what he was thinking of when he wrote, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Be on guard against the kind of self-assurance that produces arrogance. But another danger of spiritual self-reliance is this. Self-assurance makes you forget your dependence on God. Self-assurance makes you forget your dependence on God. If you believe God helps those who help themselves, then you probably have convinced yourself that you can handle situations on your own. And that way you only have to bother God when things get tough. But God isn't looking for people who are self-reliant. He is seeking people who understand what it means to deny self and to depend on him for everything. Listen to what Jeremiah said in verse 17, 5. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from God. Cursed are those who put their trust in humanity, in their muscles, in their brains, in their skill, in their intelligence, because they don't really need God. Let me introduce you to a woman in the Old Testament who apparently believed that God helps those who help themselves. Her name was Sarah. Her husband's name was Abram, later changed to Abraham. And they were a childless couple. Yet God had given Abraham a specific promise that he would have a son one day and his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Yet they were childless. 
But Abraham believed God and told his wife, Sarah. So they started hoping and believing and trying so they could have a child. Now, they weren't a young couple. Abraham was in his mid-80s, and Sarah was in her mid-70s when this promise was given. Not the age most couples are planning on having a newborn in their home. And when she was unable to get pregnant, Sarah decided to take things into her own hands. She decided God needed her help because God helps those who help themselves, right? So she came up with a scheme to produce a son. And in Genesis 16, verses 1 and 2, now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. You can almost see the wheels turning in Sarah's mind as she reasoned. God promised us a kid, and it's God's fault that I'm barren, so I'm going to help God out. I'll just let my maidservant have a baby, and since Abraham will be the father, then the promise will be fulfilled. Now, Hagar did not have any choice in the matter, and when she became pregnant by Abraham, she despised Sarah. And the son born to Hagar was named Ishmael. But 13 years later, when Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90, 13 years later, she gave birth to a son, and they named him Isaac. Now, Ishmael became the father of all Arab people in the world. An angel told Hagar that Ishmael would be a wild donkey of a man, his hand would be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. The Arab Muslims trace their lineage back to Abraham through Ishmael. The Jews trace their lineage back to Abraham through Isaac. Much of the warfare and killing between the Jews and Arabs up until this day can be traced back to a day when Sarah made a horrible decision 4,000 years ago. When she thought that God helps those who help themselves. But if Sarah had waited on God, he would have kept his promise. But she believed God needed her help. See, when we try to take things into our own hands, the result is usually painful. Have you, can you think of a time in your life where you kicked open a door that wasn't open? Where you barged through a window that wasn't open and it ended in pain? Because you thought you were helping God out? That's the danger of self-assurance. Our plans become a suitable substitute for God's plan. So when are we going to learn? God doesn't need our help. God helps those who help themselves? No, no. Don't believe it. That's a lie. But here's the truth. God helps the helpless. Those who think they have enough power to help themselves will do just that. They will help themselves, and they will not seek God's help. But the Lord responds to those who cry out to him for help. So I was brought up in a home that instilled within me that to accomplish anything in life that mattered, I had to put my back into everything I attempted. And my papa constantly said to me, you have to look out for number one, boy. 
And I spent the majority of my high school days in my early 20s doing the opposite of working hard. I was wrapped up in drugs, alcohol, and popularity. I didn't work hard at anything. I think I had almost 30 jobs between ninth grade and 12th grade. That frustrated my mom a little bit, and it really frustrated my papa. I was a slacker. And because of this, I really never accomplished much to be proud of in those years. And my papa would tell me, boy, if you want to succeed in life, then you better be more self-reliant. You better be more like me. And after I was married, I started to see the importance of being serious in my job and how important it was to stay employed because I had a wife and two stepsons now. So at 30 years old, I finally started putting my shoulder into what I did. And I started believing that God really helps those who help themselves. And if I work real hard, God will bless me because God helps those who help themselves. I mean, I'm a believer now, and I have got to put my shoulder into everything I do, and God will help me if I give 110% of everything I do, right? But it took me five or six years into my relationship with Jesus to admit that I was powerless to help myself. That is not as easy as it sounds. Because we don't like to admit we're weak. It's especially hard for men to admit they need help. That's why men are notorious for getting lost and not stopping and asking for directions. Me and Tanya, most of the arguments we had before uh, navigators were invented were over maps. Because I didn't like to admit that I was going the wrong direction. And she didn't like to admit that she was wrong either. Because we don't like to admit when we need help. In our culture, we admire self-made people, right? We're a do-it-yourself society. Nebraska is a rugged individual type of a state. But when it comes to salvation, listen, you can't do it yourself. You've got to admit that you're a sinner and that you need God's help. In his book, The Grace Awakening, Dr. Charles Swindoll writes about this subject. Listen to this. I consider the most dangerous heresy on earth the emphasis on what we do for God instead of what God does for us. Some are so convinced of the opposite that they would argue nose to nose. They are often the ones who claim that their favorite verse of Scripture is God helps those who help themselves. The fact is God helps the helpless, the undeserving, those who don't measure up, and those who fail to achieve his standard. We must admit that God is our only source of help, and without him we are sunk, without him we are powerless, without him we are helpless. Compare the statement, God helps those who help themselves, to these words in Psalm 94. Unless the Lord has given me help, I would have soon dwelt in the silence of death. And when I said my foot is slipping, your love, O Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. See, David wrote this, and he was about to die, and he was helpless to do anything about it. And if God had not helped him, it would have been all over. That's the same kind of attitude we need to bring to God. After I admitted that I was powerless to help myself, the Spirit of God moved in me to the next step of growth in my relationship with Jesus, and it was this. 
God helps those who trust him alone for help. God helps those who trust him alone for help. See, God is not one of several sources of help for you. He is the only source of eternal help. David wrote in Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, whether David was camping out as a shepherd boy or soldier, he knew that the hills were full of danger. Enemies and thieves and wild animals came from those hills. And the only reason he could put his head down to sleep at night is because he knew that God wasn't sleeping, that God was watching over him. So what is it in your life that's keeping you awake at night? What dangers are lurking in the hills around you? What is it that keeps you from resting? Put your faith in God and trust him. There's no reason to stay up at night worrying about it. God never gets sleepy. He never slumbers. He never snoozes. He's watching over you, and you do not have to be afraid. Paul, who had more concerns and frustrations than any man may have ever endured, penned these words as he sat in a Roman jail cell. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul, who was beaten and scourged and in prison, said, do not be anxious about anything but make your request known to God. He had learned that God was in control and that he was powerless to help himself and that God was his only source of strength and help. So the next time you hear someone say, the Bible says God helps those who help themselves, you can say, no, 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 that's not, that's not true. God helps the helpless, and that's me. I'm helpless. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word and the power of it. I pray that today's message will impact lives in a positive way. I pray as we leave this place, we will remember that we need to place all our dependence on you and to stop believing the lie that God helps those who help themselves and to go ahead and face these days admitting our weakness, admitting that we need you to give us strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, thanks for uh, sticking around with us as we uh, kind of talk about um, the conversation around this subject of, uh, you know, God helps those who help themselves. And I would imagine, um, I was telling you uh, before about um, this guy in college that, that I was a freshman coming in and kind of cocky and kind of thinking I had it together and knew some stuff and and there's this older older uh, guy in college, and in one of the meetings, he was just he was sharing a testimony of of learning that in his weakness he found God to be stronger. And I, and wow. I was honestly thought, how dumb! I, I, that's just so that's so dumb. Why why would he want to be weak? Yeah. And uh, and so through the years of maturing, I began to realize that he wasn't talking about himself just just being weak. It was just, there is something when I surrender to Christ and allow, allow his power to work through me, um, really until we get to that place, we're not in a place where we really need God, right? We're just trusting yeah. ourselves, not trusting him. 
And so, um, you know, even, but I've been a believer for over 30 years and I still find myself uh, forgetting to rely on God uh-huh. and placing my trust in myself because I, I get to the point where I'm actually pretty good at some of the things I do. And then I'm like, okay, God, I got this now. I don't need your help anymore. And, uh, and it may look on the outside like I got it all together, but in the reality, I'm suffering yeah. and, 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 not, and not, not being able to receive the blessings that God would have if I just, just trusted him instead of myself. Yeah. You know, whether you, you, you may not know this uh, about, about pastors, but uh, usually we're really good at knowing the answers. Yeah. But just because you know the answers doesn't mean you're good at it. Right. <laughs> so there is a process of... What, what? Uh, of are we actually sur- surrendering? Well, it's like in math class so. when the teacher goes, can you show me how you got the answer? <laughs> uh, n- not really. Not really. No. <laughs> My dad told me last <laughs> night. Right, um, right. So I, I just, I think there, there is this process of, of the things that, that you have control over. It's not like God wants you to sit on the sideline and not participate. Right. Um, he created work. He created work ethic, um, and he wants us to pour our heart in, into the things that he's called us to do. And we have some control over some things, but there's a lot of things we don't have any control over. And when we begin to try to use our strength to somehow manipulate things that are outside of our control, right? That is uh, that is all that is is a lack of trust in God. That's true. And, uh, and, and just kind of trusting ourselves to, uh, to get through that. So um, if this was something that uh, people struggled with, what would you think would be some practical steps for them to change well, up? Um, not to make it too simplistic, but one of, the, one of the best things they can do is to slow down and before they try to achieve or do anything, just say, God, I, I want to set aside my power and my strength and trust in your power and your strength to help me through this. And you, you may not even mean it when you pray it the first few times. It may, it may take a while for you to actually mean that. But, but uh, practically, just slowing down and saying, God, you're all I need. You're my strength. You're my help. And just practicing that through prayer. So I know for me... Um there's been some times when maybe I'm, I'm about to make a phone call. I'm about to have a conversation. Maybe I'm getting a phone call, and it's, and it's like, okay, God, would you help me? Yeah. So it's just that small. But right. in that moment, I'm saying, God, I need you in this. I don't want to do it on my own. Right. That's just what it looks like. And uh, of, of, so everything that we're doing, God, I don't want to do this on my own. I want you to be a part of it. I want right. you um, to to operate through me. So um, that's a sweet, that's the sweet spot. And we hope um, uh, that this was helpful for you and uh, that you would be able to make, make a course correction if this is something that you thought about. I hope you have a robust uh, discussion about it around lunch yeah. and open the scriptures and really search uh, through it for the, the answers to uh, some of these things. So thanks for joining us. We'll see you here next week. Mm-hmm.